there's rest in his presence. There's peace in his presence. And there's joy in his presence. Hallelujah. We give you glory. We magnify you. We're never in a rush to leave your presence. Never in a rush to move on to the next thing. We receive the intimacy. We receive the presence, the power, the love, the provision, the answers, the wisdom. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. The liberality of his spirit. The church needs a revelation of the liberality of his spirit. It'll touch you to the top, to the bottom, to the sides and all around. His liberality, his abundance, his love pouring out daily Daily he loads you up. Inwardly you are renewed daily. Praise you, Father. The angels are ministering right now. There's healing here. There's wisdom here. There's peace here. The angels are working. The Holy Spirit is tweaking. Hallelujah. Change. Hallelujah. Surgery being done. Specific healings are being done. Yeah. 
He's our beloved.
My lover is dark and dazzling, better than ten thousand others. His head is fine as gold, his wavy hair is black as raven, his eyes sparkle like doves beside springs of water. They are set like jewels washed in milk. His cheeks are like the garden of spices giving off fragrance. His lips are like lilies perfumed with myrrh. His arms are like rounded bars of gold set with beryl. His body is like a bright ivory glowing with lapsus lazuli. His legs are like marbles, pillars set in sockets of finest gold. His posture is stately like the noble, noble cedars of Lebanon. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. That might sound strange if you're a man saying that to another man, and I appreciate that. But when you have a love for Jesus, there's something special that comes with a relationship with your Savior. There's an intimacy. In fact, the widow, he becomes their husband. There's a relationship that we can have with Father God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with the Word that is so sensitive and so wonderful that it will bring tears to your eyes and a laughter to your mouth. His love for you abounds across a thousand hills. He yearns for your company. He yearns to to be with you, to hear your side of the story. Oh, but God knows everything, yes. But he wants you to tell him. He wants you to communicate with him. He wants you to go out catching fish, killing animals, spending time with him. He wants you to be a man with him. He wants you to be a woman with him. He is your need meter. He is your provider, spirit, soul, and body. What you need, he has. What he needs, you have. The special relationship between God and his children. Oh, it's going to get brighter and brighter as the days go on. Stronger and stronger as eternity calls us home, there is something special for each and every one who will spend time with me. Spend time with the Father God. Spend time with what he has for you. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14. Verse 23 says, All who love me will do what I say. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. There used to be a corny thing where you'd set an extra placemat at the dinner table for Jesus. Some people used to do that. 
because he lives with us. I was watching one minister say something the other day and I thought it was really good. He said, when Christians sometimes come into a church and they feel like they're not welcome, quite often isn't the church's fault. Quite often it's because they're coming into the presence of God and they're worldly. They're living a life that is separate from the things of God. So they come in and they don't feel right. They don't feel connected. They don't feel because there's a group of people pressing in to the things of God. We're a group of people pressing in to the things of God. We're a group of people going on the path. We're, we're separate from the world. The world does not, it's not a consideration for those who obey the commandments of the Father. Those who get in the word. Those who pray and seek his presence. There's a separation. And that separation is going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger as these days grow darker and darker and darker. Praise you, Father God. The light that shines from within will overflow the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Well, I'm going to release the girls. Thank you so much, Holly and Louise. Thanks, Holly. Just keep the pads going for a little bit longer. I'm just flowing a little bit. Thank you, Father God. We're going to let the kids go in a minute. Just give us a couple of minutes, kids. Enough. Some are probably already scarpered. Hallelujah. Holly, there's more in you. You're scratching at the surface. There's a prophetic flow of the Spirit that can come forth from your lips. Louise, it's the same for you, just different, different manifestation of the same Spirit. A strengthening of this worship team. I felt almost like I don't know how true this is. I could be wildly off, but I almost felt people are watching that should be here playing and singing with us. Musicians. Hallelujah. Frankie, do you want to take the kids out? Are you, are you ready to go? Yeah, I think they're ready. Hallelujah. But I, I feel like there's a call for us to keep pressing in into the worship the way we have been. There's a depth that is being revealed to us as a fellowship. And if we're prepared to go into those depths and we're prepared to wade out into them, there's, there's revelation, there's wisdom. I said this in the prayer this morning, that every single one of us should be prospering just purely because we're who we are. I want to talk about some things in a moment concerning finances and where I believe God wants us to go as a, as a church and then we'll get into the main message. But right now, the Spirit of God was really, 
He's been doing it all morning, the last few days. And that word depth. Depth. There's a lot of depth in this room. But you know, you can go deeper. <laughs> Some of us have been embarrassed to, to be who we are. And I know I've been embarrassed to be who I am sometimes. And But there's a depth. Deep calls to deep. There's a flow for your future. There's a flow for each and every one of you. There's a flow that the Spirit of God wants you to step into so that you prosper, so that you are effective, so that you can produce what God needs you to do in these last days. And the engine room of that is prayer. The fuel is faith, and the power produced is love. You step into the depths of prayer, you're going to start to chugga, chugga, chugga. You know, the steam room of the engine was where the, the coal guys would be shoveling the coal in, and they would be black and dirty and sweaty. But I bet you that they would like to go home and scrub up and clean up and spend time with their family. In prayer, we do the dirty work. We do the... Some people might think, well, prayer is supposed to be nice and sensitive and wonderful. Yes, there will be moments of that, but there's also travail, there's intercession, there's, there's doing some work to generate energy, to generate to generate something going, get things moving off the ground. Sometimes prayer needs to be, be. Now it's the Holy Ghost that comes alongside and prays through us the prayers that we know not, not what to pray. But quite often that manifestation of prayer can, can be physically straining. It can pull on your, your very core. We keep saying this, that Brother Hagin said this is about the apostolic church, that you use the divine instruments of travail and compassion that will make you irresistible. Not many churches have really pushed the plums and the depths of that. Some have, of course. But be to be irresistible. The glory. It's all about him. It's not about us. We can't be irresistible in our own strength. Because one of us will forget to have a shower and suddenly we're all not very irresistible. But the irresistibility is the love, the compassion that pours out. When I look and pray for people in this church, sometimes my mind just doesn't really care. But my heart, is pulling on the compassion of God. My mind just needs to catch up a bit sometimes. I've been praying for several of you this week and just pulling on things. Thank God, I want to see their lives radically. Not transformed because they're already going in the right path. 
radically blessed, radically propelled, radically exploding in every single area, whether it's, it's ministry or finances or anything. That's what I really want to see for your, your lives. But it's going to take place in the engine room of prayer. And you're going to fuel it with your faith in the word of God. And outflow of that faith is going to be a manifestation of the love of God that transforms your world, transforms other people's worlds, transforms the mighty church of Jesus Christ to being irresistible. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let's move on. But I won't move on, but you know what I mean. But we can just take, turn the pads off and... Because if we have the pads on too long, I do, I do think we just <laughs> stay in a, a certain zone sometimes and it's, uh, it's almost too relaxing. <laughs> Church can't be too relaxing, can it? Yeah, yeah it's a bit chilly today, isn't it? I want to introduce um, something. Now, Veronica has, has bowed out of her role this morning. She's asked graciously to not be... To give to talk about giving today, so I'm going to probably do it myself, and I like the like the five minute break personally. <laughs> but I want to talk about something that is not really talked about much in the body of Christ. Um, in fact, nowadays you get into a place where you can count on two hands, if not one hand, the amount of people that will really push the financial side of things. Um, and certainly. I'm not talking just about this country, I'm talking about America, talking about a lot, a lot of people backed off it. So I want to talk about something that is going to help some people. I hope and pray. <laughs> you know, when, when we've preached the word of God, faith comes, but faith can easily die. Faith can easily be cast aside and, and not worked with. And the title of this, and this is an introduction because I've got a 20-part series, if you believe it or not. <laughs> I don't want to spend an hour on this every week. I just want to spend 15, 20 minutes to talk about it. There's still kind of challenges on this. But I'm going to introduce this idea. And it's the learning to understand and flow with the financial anointing. Now, there's healing anointing, is there not? So there's people that will lay hands on the sick and see a lot of people healed. There's people who have miracle anointings, who perhaps see stronger manifestations of miracles. So we've got to understand there's other things that God's not just a one-track pony, is he? He, he, he covers a variety of subjects in the Bible. If we turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, and this is really just one example of this, and I'm going to try and fly through this um, but at the same time, this is an introduction to where we want to go. There's some laws that can be put into place for all of us to understand and step up into a greater level of financial flow, financial anointing. Does that sound good? Because <laughs> I, I see some things on this church, and I see some things on Faith Life Ministries, Pastor Joel and Pastor Evie especially have flow in it, that we cannot put off on certain people. We should all be striving, and striving is the kind of the wrong word, but we should all be looking to step into these areas for each and every one of us. Now, some of that might mean a little bit of an increase and you're happy. 
God might be saying, come on, do some more. But you, you set the level of this. I don't, understand, I don't think Christians really understand, but you really set the level of the presence of God in your life. You set the level of a healing in your life. You set the level of the word in your life. It's all down to you. Because Jesus himself died on a cross. He made the choice to die on a cross. Now, once you've died on a cross for somebody else, do you really want to do that again? You, you, you kind of hope that the job was done. You wouldn't want to keep revisiting. It says in Romans, who's going to bring Jesus down and who's going to bring Jesus up again? You get into a mentality that, you know, if Jesus is not sitting next to Christina and we can't see him, then he's not here. But of course, we know he's here because two or three gathered in my midst. I'm in your midst. So his presence was strong today. And I, I believe that this is a direction that needs to be talked about and spoken about because there is so little teaching on it, but there's also so little manifestation of it. Very few people believe in it, and even fewer people walk in it. And we must understand this is not only challenging you, it's challenging me and my family. If we don't see improvement in some areas financially, then we're not going to be able to achieve the call of God in our lives. Just as much as you won't be able to achieve the call of God in lives. In fact, if you don't care about money, I'm going to be as bold to say you don't care about people. Because if you're always in need and you're always poor, how can you help people? How can you walk in love? Now you could say, well, all right, then I can go and lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But what if they recover? They've been on benefits for all their lives. They recover and suddenly they're healed and they don't get their benefits anymore. They're suddenly poor. They've got to find a job. They've got to do this. You might need to help them get to that place where they can earn money. So without having finances in our lives, without allowing a financial flow to reach other people, now many people do that in different ways. Some people will give into other ministries. Uh, sometimes it's, it's um, easier is the wrong word, but it's, it's more beneficial for, say, somebody who can't go to Africa to sow into a ministry that's going to Africa. So that's, there's absolutely nothing wrong. I'm not saying that you have to walk down the road with thousand pound notes in your back pocket and just handing them out to the first person that comes across you because you, you'll suddenly have a crowd of people around you and you might not make it very far. It's kind of like when we had um, our puppy, uh, our corgi puppy, when we walked down the, the promenade of, um, in Grange upon Sands, uh, it took about three hours to go down the promenade because everyone stopped us because of this cute little corgi puppy. We don't want that in our lives. We don't want to be distracted by people because they're just pulling on, on us all the time. We want to be, be smart with this. But the financial anointing is, is, is there and it's available. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter 17. And I'm teaching this and it's going to take me forever to get through this introduction if I'm not careful. So let's just read this quickly. We all know the story, but I want to, I want to pull some things out on it on purpose. 17 verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord... The Lord God of Israel lives, the God I serve. There will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give word. Do you think if that comes to pass, that there's going to be a shocking impact to the nation of Israel? Suddenly people are going to have no food and no water. We're not talking days where we can just pull things off of a shelf in 
Tesco's and Aldi's and, and people like that, places like that. They have to actually go make their food. They have to go get the water. But if there's no rain and there's no food until the prophet gives word, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go hungry. So then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So thank God, God's word supersedes the natural thing that's going on. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening and he drank from the brook. But after a while the brook dried up for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, she called her, Bring me a bite of bread too. He's just cursed the ground. There's no water around, no food around. I think he's being a little bit rude here, isn't he? If I just turned up from Kevin Jenny's house and they hadn't been to the shops for a while and I demanded food, though I'd come from a long ways away in Southport to wherever they live, they may just shut the door on my face and say, go away. And I don't think they would. Good, I'm glad. If not, I'll go to Ruth's house. Um, but it's quite, quite, quite rude for somebody to, in a, in a position of starving, give me your last bit of food. And we all know the story, and, I, and I'm exaggerating for the, 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 the point. But she said this, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and just do what you said, but make me a little bread first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive left in your container in the time, until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days, just as the Lord promised. There are healing anointings, miracle anointings. There's an anointing to prophesy. There's an anointing to preach. But you know the Bible says that it, there's power to get wealth. Yes. And that power is the same thing as an anointing. There's an anointing to get wealth. So this is important. That is one example. There's other examples in the Bible of a supernatural financial anointing. Feeding of the 5,000. Little poor little boy bullied by these disciples. Give us your, give us your food. And this poor little boy said, whoa, here, have your food. And then 5,000 people, and we always say that you only count in the men. They could have all their wives and their kids there. There was, a, there was an instance where there was a floating axe head. There was a boatload of fish. Job, in fact, work, work, walked in the financial anointing. He, he saw it in, in reality, lost it all, but then got it all back, double the amount. In a very short period of time, I'll say that for anyone who's watching who, who loves Job. Abraham saw gold, silver, 
The Bible is full of men and women prospering in good times and in bad times. The wonderful thing about this anointing and the sole purpose of this anointing is to help others. You cannot help others if you need money. You can't help people if you need help. It actually is a decision to be poor, believe it or not. You heard what I said. It's a decision. You need to decide to also operate in prosperity, but you cannot be double-minded. This lady chose to listen to Elijah. She could have just died. Today, you have a decision to make. Will you listen to the voice of God or the servant of God speaking God's word, or will you just ignore it? He, you know, she could have just literally just walked off, made some food, and died. And just... And Elijah, you know what Elijah probably would have done? Probably would have found another widow because God said that I have instructed a widow. As we were listening to Nancy Dufresne last night, it's interesting, uh, on this little side journey, she, she was... God told her specifically, and if you don't know who Nancy Dufresne is, she's a minister, she's a, she's a well-known minister in the States. She's, her, her husband died about 10 years ago, so, and she's carrying on the anointing that he's flowing in the healing miracle side of things. She was saying that God told her that God had given, that, God, that she wanted something and that she, God said, someone's going to give it to you. Okay, whatever it was, I don't know whether it was a, a watch, let's say use the word watch just to give it something to frame my mind. Someone was going to give her this watch. And she knew that. God told her. So she went around saying this. Somebody's going to give me that watch. Somebody's going to give me that item. Somebody's going to give me that place. And God corrected her confession. And listen to what God told her off. She told, he told her off, really. That's not your confession. Your confession is that I have already given it to you. God has already given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He's already provided. But if you focus on the person trying to give you the thing, you're not glorifying God. You're trying to get it from the person. So she was saying this, and, and, and she said the, 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 the change in her thinking, God has already given me what he said he's given me. I just receive it. I just expect it. You and me have been given certain things according to this word of God. That we just have to sit there and go, I believe I receive it. I'm not trying to get Christina to give me 100 pounds. Now, if Christina gives me 100 pounds because she just loves me or God tells her to, that's fine. But really, she's not giving me any money. It's God that's giving me. And we must understand this. And we must understand that healing and miracles and signs and wonders comes from God, not from a man of God, not from a, a, a church, not from a, a flow or anything like that. It comes from God. Everything that comes from the Spirit into your heart comes from Him above. He's the Father of lights. He's, he's, he's the one who said all the promises of God are yes and amen. And they live on the inside of you so you can pull them out and walk in them. And this financial anointing, and this is, I'm literally giving you a very brief introduction to this. I've got 20 laws that we can use to operate that. Because I see some things, I see in particular Robert and Holly, the ability to step into this at some point. I see, particularly on you, Robert, that there's going to be a promotion and a level up on this area. And I'm serious on that. I, I've been praying about it. But I can't force that to happen in their lives. They have to grab a hold of it. The laws. 
Now, every single law that I say or I preach, I am preaching it from someone else's book, but I'm going to spend a lot of time meditating on it and pull what we need out of it. But what we're going to do is look at these laws and say, well, actually, law number two, I've already operated in that. I don't need to worry about that. But law number three, I've never, never operated in that. I've never thought about that before. Law number six, that's an interesting one. And so that's the way we're going to approach this, this subject. Because if you've noticed, I've not said a word about you giving us, the church, any money. I'm talking about walking in a level above where you're at right now so that you can flow in whatever the assignment God tells you to get. It will benefit the church because as you prosper, what happens? That 10% thing called the tithe, it comes. But the 90% thing gets bigger as well. And there's offerings in that, yes, but the, the, percentage, the, the percentages just helps other people. This is the whole point of God prospering you. He doesn't want you to just give. If, he, if Veronica only earned 10 pound a week for the rest of her life and she only could put one pound in the offering every week because of the tithe, that doesn't do anyone any good. But if God starts to multiply that to suddenly she's getting a thousand pound a week, She's benefit. You know, this is what's so wonderful about prosperity is it's benefiting you in the greater percentage, 90%, but it's also benefiting the church. They actually say this, that if the church tithed properly, if everyone in the church, we could eradicate third world debt, third world problems, if the church would just do the 10%. Hallelujah. We're a tithing church. Hallelujah. We're an offering church. Now, we must remember that every biblical promise is conditional. There is God's part and your part. God has done his part. What are you going to do? This is my confession. Faith by pressing will learn and walk in this anointing because it's required for us to fulfill the assignment and call. If you prosper, the church prospers, the region prospers. It was interesting when we, we went to a, a vision meeting uh, with Reuben Morgan from Hillsong when they were setting up... Um, Liverpool, Hillsong Liverpool. And whatever your opinion is about Hillsong, it, it doesn't really matter. He, he was very good with his, uh, with his vision. And he said that when Hillsong moves into an area, the whole area changes. There's shops that spring up, restaurants spring up. I think Joel Osteen, in fact, <laughs> his, his, if everyone knows how big his church is, and if you talk to the people who work at Starbucks and Joel Osteen, they hate working on a Sunday morning because <laughs> the queue is about two hours long to get a Starbucks around that church. Because a church that grows, that is prosperous, that is alive, brings life. If you see a garden and, and someone starts planting little plants, suddenly that garden just becomes alive with life. That's what we are. We're planted in God's garden. We're planted and rooted and grounded. And the flow that's just moving beside us, the river of God that we're pulling from. And there's an anointing to be prosperous and financial. This is how we will go beyond reaching the few to reaching the multitudes. Because if we are bold in declaring prosperity for God's people, hallelujah, we'll start reaching more. And I believe everyone in this place is hearts right in that area. I really do. There's a table prepared before you. The Lord is your shepherd and you do not lack. You have want of no thing. Hallelujah. And of course, before I just give us an opportunity to sow into this ministry and sow into this church, 
Jesus operated in the financial anointing. You know, he had people that followed him around that just poured of their finances into him, some women. In fact, I think women, uh, I, 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 let me just actually get the Bible verse. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. It's very quiet in this place. Uh, are people listening or are they resisting? <laughs> listening, hallelujah. In Luke chapter 8, verse um, 3, it says, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager. You know Herod, the one that killed John the Baptist? The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Hallelujah. Somebody who was involved with that, many others were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and the disciples. Hallelujah. Jesus was supported financially. A financial anointing is simply the ability to flow in the overflow and to allow God's finances and his flow of, of way of doing things to flow towards you. Power to get wealth, to establish the covenant. It's to establish the covenant. It's always to, to establish the covenant. Prosperity um, can be um, twisted to make it all about stuff. God says you can believe it and you can have it. You can just say it and you can come to pass. You pray, you believe, you receive it, and you shall have it. And, and there's nothing wrong with believing. So I want you to, in fact, I want you to go to the extreme of believing God for stuff. That's my heart. But never let the stuff overwhelm the heart to help. If you own something, if some, God gives you something and you can't give it away in a second... I'll tell this last story before we receive our offering. Brother Copeland got given a, a Bretling watch once. It was an amazing watch. He was believing God for it. I think Brother Oral Roberts gave it to him. Like, and, and two weeks passed. He, this, this watch was amazing. He loved it. And Brother Oral Roberts one day just said, there was an offering coming through, and he said, give me your watch. Give me the watch back. The watch that he gave him. And he said, give it back, and he put it in the offering. And Kenneth Copeland was very, very angry at the time. And I probably may have said this story before. He was very, but God said to him, don't you dare ruin this. One, it's a relationship with Oral Roberts that he needed to have to see, see what God did in his life. But also, sowing seed and owning stuff. And if, if, if I own this Bible and it's so personal to me that I can't, I can't give it to it and I'm holding on to it, my arms are like this. How the heck can I receive anything more from God now? You couldn't give me anything else because I'm so holding on to this. If you try and give me something now, I'd have to drop this anyways. And I know our hearts in this place are, 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 are right. I do. So I'm, this, isn't, uh, this is me encouraging us and speaking life into something that perhaps you may have forgotten about or thought maybe it's never going to happen for me. We need to step up a level. Because when the numbers come in, when the people come in, I believe that you know we've seen more people come in. We've seen... People pop in and out. We've done all that kind of stuff. But these seats will be filled. The squirrels are like just, just waiting for them. <laughs> I love being in this hotel. But it's a bit chilly today. So as, as we, can we, um, I don't know if we can. I don't know if we've lost our media people. Can we put the QR code up to give? If those watching online want to give, it's faithlifecenter.com forward slash give. Um, but it's, it's awesome that we can do that. And I don't know if, if we've got buckets to pass around or if anyone's given by cash, you can do that by the bucket. Um, but it's a really 
wonderful opportunity to do that. And, and I love that word opportunity to give. It's not, not being forced. It's not anything. It's just an opportunity to sow. And I know we all do that by digital banking um, as well. Um, and if you're online, you can scan the code or go to the forward slash give and click on Preston. And then we give by Stripe and all that kind of different stuff. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for the, the offerings of your people, of your saints. Thank you that you are going to, you receive them. We receive them in the natural, but Jesus, you receive them as Lord of the tithe. You are our Lord, and we give you all of our finances. And thank you, Father, that the wisdom of God is applied to every bit of money that comes in. And we thank you that the blessing of God flows back to the people who give. They keep their arms open and they receive as much as they possibly can. Because your liberality is far greater than anything else. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the praise. We magnify you. We thank you, Father. You know, giving in finances is more holy than you could ever imagine. If you look at just some of the stories of David and Solomon and all these guys giving into the temple, never, never treat it lightly. The widow's might is another one. But hallelujah, I'm expecting uh, testimonies. I'm expecting testimonies. I hope everyone's, well, they haven't because I haven't seen anything come through, I don't think. I would love you guys to fill out the glory story stuff on the website. I did put the link up in the group. If you have a testimony, and I'm sure we all do, I would love to hear them uh, put it on, the, on that thing um, on the website. Right, okay. Feels a bit anticlimactic, this, isn't it? This is why I like you, Veronica. You kind of like build it up a bit more for me. I miss you. <laughs> this is where we cut the video and then start again. Right. We do have a bit of time left. You guys are so quiet today. Hallelujah. Waiting <laughs> with anticipation. Hallelujah. So am I. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Right. If yeah, I, it, it, I'm trying to vocalize what I've been sensing the last few days. That's uh, it's easy for me to go and write a lot of notes and read the notes and teach on them. But to actually put into to vocal communication what God's put on my heart concerning this church, because I said it this morning, this message is actually a little bit diff more complicated to preach than last week's message. Because last week's message, we're like, two years, yeah, what's God saying, yeah, and then the, the, the week after, it's like, oh, we're here again. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to have a bit of progress. But... There's something stirring in my heart, and I'm serious about this. And, and, and I, I, I thank God for Jenny and, and Kevin's encouragement over the last year or so of just really just to go for it. Because I'm telling you, there's something that God's got for this church. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
And there's something about raising expectation, but sometimes you always raise your expectation, raise your expectation, raise your expectation, and there comes a ceiling to that expectation sometimes. You kind of get to that point. God, just do it, please. But this is what's stirring in my heart. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. God is moving in this place. He's adjusting our course and he's shifting our vision. Raise your expectation. We cannot afford to back off right now. This is the time to get in that engine room. Yeah, it was, it was, it, this is what was really thinking, and I, I need your help on this. I need your help, Robert. I need your help, Holly. I need your help in prayer. I need your help, Christina. I need your help during the week. Pray. There's a responsibility on some of you to pray. Hallelujah. Because there's something brewing. There's, it's like, I, I just feel like there's, so, there's this open well of of. of God, what God's got for us, and, and, and it's just like we're on the edge of this well, and, and we just see how dark it is, and if you, if you ever watched Lord of the Rings, and, and, and the hobbits, they, they chuck a coin down and into this well, and it rattles, and and then, and then all, everyone looks at them and says, what did you do? And then suddenly the bad guys turn up, because they heard this little and I feel like we're on this edge of this precipice, and there's this immense expanse, expanse in front of us. And it's just the depth of the Spirit of God. It's, I'm not trying to like make some sort of mythical fantasy kind of idea, but God's just saying, there's so much more. There's so much more for Christina. There's so much. It's individual, but it's also corporate. Until we see this hotel rammed, there's always going to be more. There's always going to be more people to reach, and we're, we're going to start ramping up some evangelistic ideas in, into Preston City Center. We, we're talking to Holly and Frankie, and, and just what can we do practically that's a bit more taking the next step. As leaders, we're going to keep praying. As leaders, we're going to keep rejoicing. As leaders, we're going to keep jumping up and down and shouting because there's a revelation and a revealing coming to this church. That, that, that we're, we're, I almost feel like we've been hid for so long, but it, it's coming. It's like little cracks are coming. There's little light bulbs are coming. Little light shafts are coming that people will see this. And I'm going to keep preaching this until we all believe it. <laughs> Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema word of God, the fresh word of God. And the fresh word of God is that we're going to make progress this year we are going to put each foot in front of each other and we're going to rise up to a new level we're going to go from glory to glory from one degree to the next degree to the next degree there's a passion inside of me but that doesn't mean that I have to carry all the passion I'm giving it take it God wants you to take what he has for you pull on it expect it receive we're on a journey to being irresistible. It's kind of the message. If it says it in Second Timothy, um, Second Timothy, yes, yeah, Second Timothy one five to seven, it says this: I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that you f- that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that some faith continues strong in you, or I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan in. To flames, the spiritual gift God gave you. Now he says, when I lay my hands on you, but I, I, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit. There is something on the inside of this ministry that needs to be fanned on the inside of you. 
When you sow financially into something, when you sow a seed into the ground, you become connected to that ground almost. You're hoping that the apple tree will grow up and you can pull on the fruit of that. So when you sow finances into a ministry, you're actually connecting yourself to that ministry to be able to pull off of what it produces. That's what partnership's about. You partner with another ministry because you want to tap into the flow that's on that ministry. There's a flow in this ministry to uh, be apostolic, to be driving, to be pioneering, to be, to be expansive, to grow, to see great things come to pass, to see miracles, to signs and wonders, to have the Word and the Spirit flowing together. There's a call on this ministry to keep going forward no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what we think it looks like. There's a call to, to expand and to grow and to just keep expanding and to keep expanding. And it's on the inside of us first and then it will happen on the outside. But it says here, fan into flames the spiritual gift. You sow into this ministry financially and you tithe into it, you have access to a spiritual gift that's been birthed on the, in, in this room and in this place and in this spiritual environment. Even artificial intelligence wants to get involved. We've got something. Pastor Joel and Pastor Evie or the people above them may never have laid their hands on you. They may never have had the opportunity to impart something by, by laying on of hands. You may have never been, had hands laid on you for, for healing by the greatest minister in the world. But if there's something on the inside of you, a spiritual gift that God's placed on the inside of that, that's why I was talking to you guys about finances. There's something to stir up concerning that. There's something to stir up on the inside of that. We don't want to be people who tithe at a certain level for the rest of our lives and are happy at that because it's a percentage. When the, when the money increases and the percentage stays the same, you're fanning into flame something. You're growing something. You're taking one talent and making it two talents. You're taking two talents and making it four talents. You're taking five talents and making it ten talents. That's the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to grow continually from glory to glory. From one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. That's our growth ability. That's the capacity for us to grow as Christians. It's not just about money. Money's just easy for us to comprehend. It's easy to go, well, actually, I earned 100 pounds more than last month. That's easy to understand. How do you measure growth in prayer? That's difficult. You may say, well, I prayed an hour longer each day in this next month. Well, that's not growth in prayer. That's just you spending more time in prayer. You could pray for 10 minutes. How long did, how long did Jesus pray for Lazarus to be raised from the dead? How many times has it taken you 30 seconds to pray for someone to be raised from the dead? So depth in prayer doesn't come just necessarily by time alone. Time helps. A tree will grow in time. But there's certain conditions for that tree to grow stronger. Some, some trees are thinner and thicker. It, even if they're the same brand of tree, the same apple tree. Some apple trees produce better than other apple trees. And some apple trees have got better conditions to produce apples. 
That's why certain countries produce oranges better than other countries. Some people produce wine better than other countries because of the conditions of where the plant is growing in it makes a huge difference. So the world, the, the condition that you live in has to be managed by yourself. You have to put yourself in the right. In fact, as a Christian, we need to rely on the analogy of a greenhouse that you can up and move wherever you go rather than planting in some sort of environment that you can't take with you because wherever you are, you are meant to produce life. You are a greenhouse. You are not a, a plot of ground that can't be moved. Because if, if you were, when Veronica gets asked to move from Bolton to Skegness, she would be like, well, I'm prosperous in, in Bolton. How am I going to prosper? You know, you know, you have to be able to produce the conditions for your life continually wherever you are. And how do we do that? Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Give you glory. We stay in praise. We stay in worship. We stay in an attitude of victory. Because your temple is not this. It's this. You might not, not like the look of my temple. I'm working on my temple to make it look better. Robert's already there, though, because mind you, he, he's talking to me about his sculpting of his hair there, and I'm, I'm really excited to see. <laughs> but he's, 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 and I, those are, the, those are the things I appreciate. I notice those kind of things. I like when people change hairstyles and, or they work out and they get strong and lose weight. I like that because I like to see people doing something with their lives. That's just me. I'm just, that's not God. <laughs> but God's expecting us to spiritually prosper, for us to mentally prosper, spirit, soul, and body. Even as, you, you know, I, I demand, I expect, I, I want to see you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Your soul, your mind, your will, everything's prospering liberality. You know, James says that you can ask for wisdom and he will give it to you liberally. Well, if wisdom is the foundation of life, then out of that wisdom, you will produce prosperity. You will produce healing. You will produce family relationships. You produce anything. And if that means he's giving you wisdom liberally, out of that wisdom that you have in liberality, everything else prospers and everything else is suddenly liberal. Your liberality, your freedom to move within the things of God is, is given to you because you are a believer. You have been bought and paid for. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a new creature. You are a new creation. And your, your, creative, your creator lives inside the creation so that you can produce life for other creative people around you. We want to produce, and we want to, it, it, it kind of becomes like, if you, you know, think the Industrial Revolution, and it just became production, 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 let's hone in, hone in, get better production, get better production, and sometimes a Christian life can feel a little bit like that, that God, God's expecting you to produce, so we feel under pressure, but you know, Jesus said, my burden is light. Your production and your spiritual producing isn't supposed to be, it's supposed to be thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus because his life lives on the inside of you 
If you want to talk about hard work, talk to Kevin in his, about his house. It's been hard work, hasn't it? But his ability to do that and to produce something, usually the hard work is actually lightened by the fact that you know you're going to achieve a goal. Have you ever done, I mean, it doesn't really happen in my life very much, but when you just wallpaper a room and you look around and you're like, ah, oh, it was hard to get here. Uh, Louise is sitting there going, you've never wallpapered a room, and I, I don't think I have. Um, <laughs> but I'm very satisfied when she does it. But I produce, okay, let, 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 let me talk about me. <laughs> if I do a graphic design piece on the computer that some people would look at and go, how, how did you do that? But it's taken me three hours to do, four hours to do. People may say that's not hard work. Kevin would probably say that's not hard work. You didn't move, you didn't move your finger very much. But mentally, it's mentally taxing. But I am so satisfied when it's done really well. I'm so satisfied when someone sends me a text message and says, that looks really good, that you've done a really good job there. Production and productivity and all those things, it should be a lightening of the load. When we start to see salvations, I mean, I was weeping in worship there just thinking, God, your presence is so nice and so wonderful. So wonderful. He loves me. He loves me. But if we stay just there, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. And we don't tell anyone. We don't share. This is why the broadcast is so important for me. Just getting the word out there, getting it shared on Facebook. Getting it shared. Yeah, you might argue that it's limited, but it's something. Going out into the streets with flyers, it's something. It's sharing. Progress will be made because we make each step. Fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. And then what's really interesting, the scripture verse after that, God, it, Paul says this, for God has not given me a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. So God's not, he's even removed the spirit that would stop you from going and producing and being afraid to produce. Evangelism can be scary stuff if you let it. But he's not giving you a spirit of fear. I'm nowhere near where I thought I'd be today. Fanning into flame that, that little piece of God on the inside of you that you, that you just sense, you just think there's a bubble. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, you guys don't feel this in the same way I do. But when I start praying, I sense a bubble on the inside of me. Almost, there's something. Just if I pray for my head and just say, "God, bless the people," da 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 da, and just just uh, like that, there's no bubble. But if I start pulling on the spirit of God, there's a bubble. There's something to fan. There's something to spread. There's something to, to give joy to. And, and what I, I love this, this, this story in the Bible. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 3, Moses was walking along and he saw something different. He saw a tree or a bush on fire, randomly on fire. 
Now, you go to California these days or some other places, you'll, you'll see fires everywhere because they're just forest fires and all that kind of stuff. That's not, that's not uncommon. And I'll, I want to say some things about forest fires that really, really speak to me spiritually at some point. But this, this burning bush wasn't burning up. It wasn't, it wasn't coming down. It was, it was just burning. And it, Moses said this to himself, this is amazing. Why isn't that bush burning up? And he said these four or five words, I must go see it. Are people walking past you and looking at you and saying, I must go talk? to them because if we're burning with a flame and a fire hallelujah if this church is burning with a flame and a fire if we've got those, those instruments of prayer and compassion faith and power and we're irresistible there's coming a time when people will drive past and go I must go see it there's coming a time that they will bump into you in the supermarket and go, what is it about you? I can't keep my eyes off you. People have said had testimonies of things like that happening. I know people that will, will go around in supermarkets to, on purpose to talk to people because they know they carry something. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, he called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses Moses, here I am. I love what it says there, when the Lord saw Moses coming. Mo God didn't talk until he saw Moses approach. That's why it says, go boldly into the throne room of grace. God's not talking to you if you're running away from him. He wants you. He wants to talk to you. But the prodigal, the father of the prodigal son didn't know where his son was. He couldn't talk to him. If you're running away from God, God will assume that you don't want to be found. Now, what, what is the beautiful thing about this is, is the praying people can kind of get on God's case about somebody. If you've lost a son to sin or a, a, a child who's running away from God, you can pray and you can get in the face of God. You can quote the word. The word says, my family shall be saved. But God's not going to bend over backwards when he's already sent his son to this world. It's our job to go get the sheep. It's our go job to go find them and to bring them in. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. But the reality is, is he will talk to the person who is coming to him. The person, there's many people who have cried before God in the midst of their sin and said, God, if you're real, just talk to me. And he does. But if you turn your back on him, you're left to your own devices, especially if you know the word of God. Turn and see. I must go see it. I must go. I must be in the holy place, the place of the most high God. 
We step into the apostolic place in this church, the place of authority, the place of declaration. The nations are coming. The camels are coming. It says in Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come by thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see all they gather themselves together they come to see thy son shall come from afar thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side you shall see and flow together and your heart shall fear and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto you the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto you the multitude of camels shall come unto you the uh, uh, not even the King James I don't even know what that word is Drom- dromedarians of Midian and Ephah that ruined my flow didn't it They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Isaiah 2.2, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of them all. That burning bush for Moses is like the church of the modern day for the world. It's the holy place. You know, Moses couldn't approach that bush without taking his shoes off. God told him to take his shoes off. You're on a holy place, holy ground. There's holy ground in this church. The minute we set foot onto this hotel, it becomes holy ground. We just plead the blood of Jesus over it. It wipes out anything that's gone on before, and we're here. Hallelujah. The kids are in holy ground having fun in their their kids' stuff. David's on holy ground on, on the camera. This is a holy place. And this is why when we worship, when and I, I, I've sensed this so strongly, and I, I believe this, and I, I'm not trying to just flatter people. But Holly, you, you're stepping into that prophetic. You're stepping into some new things. God wants to draw it out of you. It's going to take time. It's going to take practice. It's going to take working as a team, working with Elson and, and Louise and other musicians that come. It's not just an overnight thing. You don't, God doesn't just drop an anointing on you and say, okay, one day you're, you, you can't preach, and the next day suddenly you are the master preacher. Now, obviously, God can use a donkey to speak. God can use a donkey to prophesy. God could do, you know, if he wanted, what does he say? If you guys don't say anything, the rocks will cry out. But the reality is in, in, in our church life, God wants to encourage you to grow into what he has for you because if he promoted you six stages in one go you wouldn't be able to handle it that's why finances finances and things like that if you just had a million dollar check handled to handle to most of us in this room would not know what to do with it and a million pounds isn't a lot of money nowadays and what people would do with a million pounds is probably buy a big house and they would never be able to afford to look after it. They couldn't run it because all the money was gone. So we can't just believe God for a miracle. We need to believe God for consistency and continual growth, continual strength, continual victory, continual training, continual expectancy. The impartation of the Holy Ghost is on you right now to start running faster, to start running bigger in any area that you want to. said this in the prayer as well. There may be three choices in front of your life and God's just saying, pick one. 
Just go, go with it. I, I can't encourage you enough to go with what God's told you to do. Do what he says do. Don't do more. Don't do less. Just do what he says do. Do what he says do on a Monday. Do what he says do on a Tuesday. Do what he says do on a Wednesday. There's no expectation for me, for you to transform your life by next Sunday so that I, you know, you, you're suddenly wearing Gucci and Prada and all this kind of stuff because suddenly amazing things have happened in, in five days. Can God do it? Yes. But he probably will work with you because he wants you to be safe in your growth. A baby doesn't grow from toddler to teenager to full-grown adult in three days. The body couldn't handle it. Their mental ability couldn't handle it. Parents think, God, I wish my child would go from 10-year-old to 20-year-old and skip a few years. But it takes their process. A lot of teenagers and parents struggle with their teenagers a lot because they they think it's a battle of wills, but really they're learning I mean, I don't like teenagers. I don't. I said to my, I've told my son that well, you know, 13 is adult. That's what the Jews believe. That's what the Bible teaches. Vogue invented the teenage years. 1920s, they invented the teenager. It was never existed before. Why do you think six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds used to go down to the mines? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we had like we we had a higher expectations of kids. So a 13-year-old, 14-year-old should fully be able to handle money and, and car and keys and all that kind of stuff, should be able to do it. Now, our, our mollycoddle society has not, doesn't allow it so that you have 18-year-olds uh, go off to university and do stupid, crazy things because they've finally got some freedom. I mean, some people might be appalled to know that my Jack walks to school by himself at year five. He's allowed to do that by the school. He probably could have done it last year. In fact, when he was three or four, he went to the chippy by himself. Well, he did. I was in the chippy. I turned around. There's Jack in his pajamas. <laughs> Louise is ringing me. Where's Jack? Oh, he's right here. <laughs> he crossed roads. He, 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 it would have been amazing to see him do it. I, just, I don't know. He just... He just I don't know, he just wanted to find his dad. The Chinese, the chippy people were like, like um, is that your kid? <laughs> like, yeah, well, hello, Jack. Pushing the, he was pushing the door open. He wanted food, I guess, I don't know. Anyway, move on. <laughs> yeah, move on from the bad parenting section. But you know what, he's alive. He's confident. Lewis bounces. So God wants us to grow up is kind of what I'm getting at. And he actually can trust you with more than you think that he can trust you with. A lot of the times it's our confidence or our, our lack of faith in him or our unbelief or our, our just thinking, God, do you really want me to do that? You know what? He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. There's some things that some of you need to just step out in and believe God for. Every time I get up here behind this pulpit, I have to, I have to do it by faith. I have to do this by faith. You have to do this by faith. Your life has to be run by faith. The victory that overcomes the world is your faith. Hallelujah. This year, like I said last week, a year of progress. But that's not just progress in this building. That's progress for you too. 
Jesus took a group of people who fished for a living and turned around and said to them, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. He transformed their lives because he saw the potential. Peter responded and put his net on the other side of that boat. And Jesus saw he's the one that's going to carry many things for me. No longer will you be called Simon. You'll be called Peter, a rock. Someone who went all over the place. He couldn't handle it. One minute he was told off by Jesus. The next minute he was being exalted by Jesus because he was all over the place. One minute he was cursing the, the disciples and Jesus and everything and denying him before many people. And the next minute he's preaching before 5,000 people because the power of the Holy Ghost changed his life. Jesus has the ability to take whatever you do right now, turn it on its upside down head and make you a complete success in life. So if you feel like you're struggling, if you're watching online, you feel like you're struggling, I tell you, get into the flow of the Holy Ghost. Get into the flow of this word. Get into the flow of, of a good church. If you're looking for a good church, there's one right here. If this isn't the one that you can get to, get to a good one. Contact us, we'll help you. We're here for you. That's the whole point. But if you're struggling, if you feel like you're struggling, I've been there. I mean, personally, I've been there. I've struggled. I've, I've had to get in the face of God and say, hey, God, sort it out. You sometimes have to do that, even if you're in the wrong. But I tell you, grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy. <sighs> Thank God for grace and mercy. Fan into flames, the spiritual gift. Let me just read a couple of scripture verses just to finish off. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jude 20. Ephesians. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Fan into flame that spiritual gift. Allow it to come up. Be productive in the things of God. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says this. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. That's very much key into all of this. Now we could say in the meeting, you could say that some ministers don't let the Spirit of God flow, so they're stifling the, the, the Spirit of God. But really, it's talking about your own life too. How do you stifle someone? Well, if my wife was talking to me about dinner and I just kept talking to her about TV, I'm stifling what she's trying to communicate to me about. What would you like for dinner? I, I just want to watch TV. What would you like for dinner? I just want to watch. I'm stifling what she's trying to say to me. So if God's talking to you about something, the Holy Ghost is dealing with it, and you want to talk about something else, you're shutting him down. And if you do it long enough, he'll stop talking. Or you'll stop hearing. Husband and wives who sit on couches and never talk to each other because one of them has stifled the other for so long that there's no more communication, and that's just... And people will stay together for 20 years, 30 years, never having a full-blown marriage relationship because they won't develop and they'll stifle each other. Don't do it to God. Don't do it to the people in your life. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. 
Hallelujah. I want to encourage you today. Pursue God. Continue to pursue God. Lean into where you are. Focus and press in. Don't quit. And just keep on giving. Keep on trusting him. And I'm just going to close in prayer. But really, I'm so grateful to you guys. You encourage me every Sunday. You really do. But God's got more for you. He's got more for me. He's got more for this church. And I thank you, Father God, today for the words that have been spoken, the encouragement that has come. I believe that people will take it with the right heart. They will see that you are behind them and supporting them. And you're there for them. That the provision, if we get our minds off of what we need and we just focus on you, the provision will be okay, taken care of. Stretch our thinking, stretch our believing, stretch our, our attitudes to you, God. Give us vision beyond all that we could ever see. I just pray that in the name of Jesus and I thank you, Father, for every person at the sound of my voice. I thank you that anyone who may need to know that, that you are Lord Jesus, that you just reveal yourself to them today and that they will hear what you are talking to them about. That If there's anyone struggling at the sound of my voice, remember this, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. You are blessed to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God.